Hey, welcome to the Default Alive podcast. I'm Corey. And I'm Chris. And this is our audio documentary of our journeys building profitable internet businesses. And so if this is your first time listening, you can learn more about us and get up to speed by starting at episode number one. But if you're a regular, welcome back. All right, here we are. Last week of December. Last week of December, last week of 2021. Year's coming to an end. Wow. Winding down. I know I hate to see the, uh, I just saw yesterday. I'm actually surprised I didn't, I haven't seen it like more often, but you know, the little like progress bar Twitter account that tells you like, mm. like your percentage way through the year. Uh, I just saw it for the first time in a long time yesterday and it was like <laughs> 99% done. And I was like, what? It's weird. Yeah. It feels like I was just looking at it when it was at like 40% or something like that. I know. I, I know we recorded an episode here maybe two months ago where we're like, yeah, November, December, they always fly by because the holidays and everything that's going on. And uh, sure <laughs> enough, <laughs> they, they did. I know. December especially, I'm like, geez, I don't even know yeah. where this month went. It was like, it was Black Friday and then Thanksgiving. And then it just like fast forwarded to Christmas. And here we are. Yeah, I'm... Uh, in the process of, of starting to work on my December investor update. And I'm like, yeah, not a lot has happened. <laughs> like, I feel like this is Lost. the least I have to update on uh, in one of these in a long time, but yeah, for real. Yeah. A lot's changed. Um, so I'm like skimming through my, um, my investor updates going back dating through January. And it's so weird reading through all the things that I was doing and it feels Dude, like it was awesome not that long ago. Those? Yeah, it really is. I I'd like yeah. forgotten sort of like the value of doing it even for myself yeah. going back and looking at them. Um, cause it doesn't feel like that long ago, but like I can also just like tap into the way that I was thinking about certain things and just like what was going on and how I was feeling about the things I was doing and the progress and, uh, it's such a weird, I don't know. It just like, it's almost like, um, you know, looking back on like a younger version of yourself, but you feel like you've matured so much since then, even though it's, you know, just a year ago. Totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. Even sometimes like looking back only three months or six months, I feel like, wow, like that, that was such a huge deal then, or I didn't know how I was going to solve that then. And it's mm. like you can grow so much in a, in a short time. It's, it's pretty cool to, to look back. Yeah. So, uh, I know we wanted to do like a, a year in review type of thing. Um, how do you want to do, did we do one last year? I think we did. I, I, th I think it was pretty haphazard. Um, I think yeah. you had been a lot more prepared than I was and I was just kind of, uh, just showed up and, and, sort of went off the cuff. I, I'm a little more prepared this time. Um, All right. Okay. I see you. But yeah, uh, I normally do um, like a James Clear style. What mm -hmm. went well? What didn't go well? What did I learn? And now I have the assistance of these monthly updates. And just even having that will basically give you everything you ever need to, to know about yourself. Um, but we could go, yeah, I don't know. We could just like share random thoughts and just kind of popcorn or we could go through a more structured way. Yeah, I'm I'm totally cool with that. I uh 
the way I broke mine down is I, I just wrote out some highlights as far as like, uh, things that were accomplished, uh, you know, and basically broken down by quarter. Um, that was more just for me to understand <laughs> what exactly happened this year. Uh, mm. and then try, I, I wrote out like a list of kind of lessons learned, uh, just throughout this year. And, um, yeah, that's, that's how I've been thinking about it. Sweet. Okay. Yeah. That's, um, that's perfect. Maybe we can start with some of the highlights and, uh, I can kind of compare against some of my like learnings from earlier and then I'll get to some things that didn't go well, but we, maybe we can kind of popcorn around some highlights and wins and things that went well. Does that sound good? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Kick us off. Cool. All right. Well, uh, I mean, just like the big win for me, uh, top of mind, is just like revenue and members. So it's funny now, like looking back because, you know, the thinking has evolved obviously, but I started the year with the thousand true fan kind of challenge to myself and public record trying to get to a thousand paid members at 99 bucks a year. Um, I think today I'm sitting somewhere around 440 or 445, but, um, you know, maybe like 40 or 50 of those are not at 99 a year. They're at 299 or 499 a year. And, um, so I haven't hit my like hundred thousand dollars a year in revenue from member fees, but I did through sponsorships and, uh, in combined combination with the member fees. So it's more like a hundred true fans or like 300 true fans. <laughs> I don't know what the <laughs> average is between like all the, the different patrons and the various levels of contribution. But, um, but I, I hit the goal the revenue goal, like what that was leveling up to. And, um, yeah, it's really weird to just like, dude, that's amazing. Yeah. It, it is awesome. And even just we looking back in January sound effect. Right. Yeah, I know. Maybe I can find one in garage band. Like that. <laughs> um, I think my first update in January, let's see, I was going through my stats and, well, sorry, the dog is kicking. Um, I think I started, okay. Yeah. I started somewhere around like 150 members. And so I've gained somewhere in the, you know, order of like 300 members or so, um, which is great and really happy with yeah. that. And, uh, overall counting that as just like a win, I think, especially since maybe the last time I mentioned, like I can kind of consider myself or consider swipe files default alive, which is great. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, some other brief ones. We didn't do like a ton of travel, but we did manage to do like a bunch of small trips, um, which through COVID and through everything else that was happening, <laughs> account as a big win, just be able to get out, go on vacation. Um, we went to Cancun, Palm Springs, Tahoe, Big Bear, beach camping, San Jose, Las Vegas, LA. So like fairly close, mainly in yeah, uh, California. All cool spots. Yeah, all great spots. Um, I have to count my crypto gains as, <laughs> as a win, <laughs> uh, between ENS and constitution Dow and just the other things as well. Um, absolutely. I mean, I think I really like dove into crypto in like April, I want to say with, uh, Catherine Lavery, shout out to her. And, um, it's just weird thing. Like, I don't know. It's that whole like red, red pill, blue pill kind of thing of like, I can't believe I didn't 
Like this wasn't like a part of what I was doing before. Not that I'm like really all that into it, but just, yeah, it's been a huge gain this year. Um, yeah. Definitely count that as a win. Um, pickleball, definitely a big win. Just exercising. I think, I know, I don't know if I talked about it. Yeah, I think I did the last time, but I think like going into the year, I was kind of like, kind of like bleh, just about like work and not getting out and I was sort of itching to be more active. Mm. It's like one of my resolutions was to get out more and to find a new hobby and to, to be active. And so pickleball is definitely check that box for me. And, um, it's not like a win per se, but I set out to also like do a lot of rereading of books. And I guess I forgot about that until like a week ago when I was writing notes for this, but I didn't read as many, but I read a lot of the, but the books I did read were really good. Um, and so I'm overall just happy with like the reading I did instead of just like reading really, really quickly to just kind of like check the box and do the highlighting and like squeeze something out really quickly. Um, I think I was more intentional this year about what I did read kind of like just in time learning and books that I was really excited about rather than just like reading out of obligation. Um, so yeah, those are a few that come top of mind in my, my wins category. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like every year I have, you know, reading more books as a goal and <laughs> it's one that, <laughs> that always ends up lower on the priority list, but that's cool. Yeah. I, and I think even like going into this next year, I kind of want to do like even less reading. Now I really want to go back to rereading some books. They're just like mm-hmm. less exciting these days. I think maybe because I feel like I kind of like cornered the types of books that I want to read or have like checked off a bunch that have like been on the bucket list for a long time or just like know what I'm kind of looking for now. There's like this, I don't know, a couple of years ago, there was like this allure of like a new book is like this ginormous wealth of wisdom that's going to be completely eye-opening. I think that's true of some books, but now it just feels like my expectations are a little bit lower and like maybe more realistic. And Mm, mm -hmm. so I know like, here's the thing I want to walk away with from this book. And there aren't a ton like that on my list for next year. It's more rereading and distilling and being more intentional about the ones that I do read. Yeah. Yeah. And I I don't know if you feel this way as well, but I think I used to maybe almost use books as like a distraction for, uh, you Mm. know, (laughs) instead of doing the thing, I'm just going to go read about the thing. Right. Uh, and sometimes, well, most of the time you learn a lot faster just by doing the thing. So, Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm totally guilty yeah. of that. Like I want to be able yeah. to like know what I'm getting myself into and sort of have my research done, but then like it becomes less actionable because you don't have all the full context to really understand all of what it's presenting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what about you? What's in your, your wins category? Highlights. Yeah. Um, it's kind of crazy. My, my wife and I were just talking about this, uh, the other day, a year ago today, our son didn't even exist. Like he wasn't even born yet, uh, which is like so <laughs> wild to think about. Cause we, we've had just, you know, so many experiences, uh, with him over the last year. And, uh, uh, I, I talked to my cousin previously who has a daughter and he was saying, he's like, once you have a kid, you can't imagine how your life was 
prior to having them and, and what it was like without them. And it's like, right. It, it's, it's mind blowing to me that I've only been a parent for a year because it feels like, you know, it's been that way for forever. Um, but yeah, that was obviously uh, a big win and a big life changing moment uh, <laughs> when he was born last year in, in January, coming up on his mm-hmm. one year birthday. So, um, yeah, just there, there's, you know, the all, all the business stuff aside, like there's just been, I, I've, I've had to really, I think, be patient with myself with the business stuff because I've learned so much personally and, and again about like, being a parent and taking care of a baby and, um, you know, focusing more on family. And, uh, it's just like, there's just so many things I've done for the first time or, or had to learn how to do and, and figure out. And, uh, that's obviously going to continue over the years, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's easy to forget that stuff because it's like, you just have to do it and you have to figure it out. <laughs> like, you don't have it you don't have a choice um but yeah certainly everything on the parenting side has has really been a huge win and and highlight this year for me ginormous yeah i can imagine you know it's like dog years and startup years and baby years are all the same right it's like (laughs) 10 to 1 right and the amount of experience and sort of transformation that goes on in such a short amount of time yeah yeah totally um but yeah on the work side i think Probably the biggest win of the year was uh, hiring Noah, uh, who initially just to help on the support side, uh, and he's kind of grown into a few other roles as well. Um, you know, helping produce uh, designs for for JetBoost, uh, for the website, for the app, uh, for clonables that we release, and you know, he's had a ton of input on the product side because he he knows Webflow really well and. Um, so yeah, just one of those like great early stage generalist type people who can, uh, you know, participate in a lot of areas of the business and, and really help move it forward. And, and just having someone else, uh, you know, thinking about the business and, and working on it and, and, uh, answering customer questions and all of that has just been like a huge, huge win this year for sure. Yeah. Oh Yeah. Yeah, I, I, that's a that's a great call out. I would definitely count that as a big one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely that. Um, you know, on the on the product side, like I said, I I broke it down into quarters, and you know, just like sort of looking at at the high level of the list. First half of the year was really. Uh, it was very like internal facing. Unfortunately, like the the month basically like four weeks after my son was born. JetBoost started like really having scaling issues for the first time. Um, That's right. So I was doing a lot of work there to uh, improve things on the infrastructure, optimize some of the code that was, uh, you know, just poorly written or just just left over from the MVP. Um, But yeah, first half of the year was was really uh, just scaling and, and optimization and me figuring out what my new work schedule looked like and, and how to, uh, you know, balance both and, and do all of that. Um, while onboarding Noah and, and helping get him up to speed on, on the support side. <laughs> uh, yeah. So <laughs> it, it felt very slow at times. Uh, it always, 
well, I, I'll skip to one of my lessons learned, which is, uh, uh, it feels slow when you're, when you're not shipping user facing updates, like, and I don't know if that's just me, but, hmm. uh, it's like, it's work that has to be done. Like JetBoost couldn't have survived without, uh, you know, facing the, the scaling issues head on and, and fixing things. But, uh, I get frustrated spending time doing that stuff versus like shipping updates that that are actually visible to customers. Um, of course the, the service staying yeah. up is visible oh, to customers, but <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting that you're sort of like emotions and I guess like overall feelings about how things are going or tied to sort of like the shipping schedule of, like you said, like user facing things, whatever that happens to be. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's part of, um, you know, obviously my background is software development and being like very product focused and, uh, yeah, I, I think it's actually a little bit of a detriment. Uh, I've been trying to figure this out, especially, uh, you know, as the year progressed, so Q3, the big thing was we, we shipped the sorting dynamic sorting booster um, and a, a clonable along with that that actually um, reached the, the front page of the Webflow Showcase, which was cool. Um, but Q4 has been yeah. a lot yeah. a lot more smaller things, and, and I'm trying to learn, like the sorting was the last big feature that, that customers were really like banging on the door for us to get out. Um, and you know, what, what does it look like now for, for me to still feel like things are moving forward and, and we're being productive and, um, you know, if it's not continually shipping new things all the time, like obviously we're, we're still trying to push out updates. We, we released a couple power ups for some of the existing boosters and, um, we did a big UX update for the dashboard, um, but it's not really like the number one thing that, that JetBoost needs right now. Uh, so yeah, that's, you know, I guess I'm sort of rambling just cause you called it out <laughs> that it really is like my uh, feelings about how things are going are definitely tied very closely to uh, how many new features have we shipped, which, which isn't always the best metric. Right. It's kind of for better, for worse. That seems to be like the thing that, measure how things are going and so if you like really went into that you'd just be constantly shipping new stuff but that might also not be like the right use of mm -hmm. your time and sort of human capital also so something yeah. to you know ponder about how you how to what to measure and how that relates to how you feel about things are going yeah totally uh, and one, I guess one last win that I had on my list was, uh, we, uh, doing the, the pricing increase, uh, for, um, our individual booster plans. That was, that was definitely a win. It, it was the first price increase that we've, uh, had in two years. And, um, when I initially looked at the numbers, it was basically break even. Like there, there was no difference from before the increase or after. And, um, hmm. but however, one of my, um, 
one of my uh, mentors at, at the Calm Fund, uh, he, he'd read my monthly update where I mentioned that and he, he replied back saying that uh, he, you know, he was basically said like, it's good that there was no change and it's only going to become more and more positive as time goes on um, since it wasn't initially negative. And now I've seen that's actually true. Mm-hmm. Like because the lower price point is higher than it used to be, um, December has actually been, uh, has turned out better than I expected, better than it was last year. So um, mm-hmm. I think going forward, that'll be a pretty, pretty good win. Yeah. Yeah, lots more sort of like gains to be realized later. Yeah, and I think it's probably kind of what you've seen yeah, with swipe files. Yeah. Right. And uh, sort of like if it's not a negative, it's positive. <laughs> and, and and less is more. Sort of like probably lots of little anecdotal things in there. But also, I you know, it's funny because I've been like, relatively offline in the sense of like not actively checking, you know, metrics or sort of like the heartbeat of a lot of things since like the week before Christmas. And, um, there's actually been like a fair number of people. I think the last time I talked about it, I was like, well, I haven't been like very many people on the new, the new plan. Mm, um, mm-hmm. well they are, <laughs> they are now <laughs> trickling in and, um, it's so weird to see. I'm like, what? They're actually, like people are actually signing up. It's just, yeah. Yeah. So it's validating. And I think that'll probably ring more true as time goes on. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I had that experience a little bit last year when we released the bundle plans, uh, which weren't even as good of a deal back then because <laughs> we didn't have as many boosters. <laughs> and I was still like, oh my gosh, like people are signing up for like the premium plans. Like this is crazy. Um, yeah. But yeah, especially at, at, your price point. That's, that's awesome. Super cool. Yeah. Yeah. How interesting. 2022 will be an interesting year to, to monitor that with, with both the pricing changes and just how that affects everything that we do and sort of the way that we see things. Um, yeah, but we'll, we'll recap that next year interview, <laughs> 2023, 2022 yeah. year interview. Already getting my my years mixed up. I feel like twenty twenty was easy. Obviously, twenty twenty one it's the year after COVID. Now it's gonna all like blur together. I'm gonna forget what year it was. <laughs> oh man. Well, that's like how I feel about my age now. Right. <laughs> I'm starting to forget that too. I'm always like, what? Right. How old am I? Yeah. Oh, right. Try not to think about it, and then you actually forget. Yeah. Some things that didn't go well. Um, it's kind of similar to like lessons learned. So they're like, you know, intertwined in some, in some senses, but um, just rattle them off. But uh, one was Help a Creator, which is my pet project for the first part of the year as a part of the On Deck No Code Fellowship, which I'm glad I went through. It was a fun experience. But ultimately, I think the project itself was a massive distraction. And mm. maybe this is just kind of hindsight bias looking back on it and like, you know, over, overweighting it. I don't know what the right word is, but you know, like giving it more weight than it, than it should have had. But I think I maybe underestimated how much time I did plug into it, even though it wasn't like a ton. I think mentally it was just like a big weight 
and um and it absolutely sort of like stalled some pro some process on spy files related things and just consulting and other stuff that was going on at the same time uh so it's not that i really like regret it i don't know maybe i kind of do definitely <laughs> underestimated it definitely i always had this feeling like ah, this probably isn't like the best thing i should be doing right now but um mm. you know when i finally sort of like cut ties and let it go maybe in like may or june or something like that um like that's when i started making real progress again and it's like oh well <laughs> the two are definitely connected and um so definitely counting that as something that didn't go well and ultimately i like i want that thing to exist and be out there i just don't know if i'm the right person for it and or i would like to see someone else do it i don't really want to I, I want it to mm. exist, but I also don't want to be the one that makes it exist at this point. <laughs> so if someone wants the domain name or has an idea <laughs> around it, let me know. But um going to check that box there. Uh, podcast ads, sort of like on a whim after a podcast interview, just like bought some ads to promote everything's marketing. From what I can tell, it had absolutely no difference whatsoever, which is a huge loss mm. given it was, I mean, not a huge loss, but a big loss comparatively, like even there was like basically no result from it. I I don't really have any idea, which sucks because it's like not my fault. It's just like the podcast players don't tell you anything, but I wanted to see like a meaningful jump in the episodes that I did promote and have some sort of attribution back from the site using the referral UTMs and ref codes that I use. And there's like basically nothing that I can wow. really see. So it was around $2,000 down the drain ish uh probably <laughs> did, works did you... fairly well for some people good H have you done any ads for savvy cal uh podcast ads so we yeah so we ran podcast ads for savvy cal on other podcasts and those worked fairly well although like the the true cac is like pretty high but this was actually buying ads in a podcast player, not in oh. like a podcast itself. Okay. Right. So that was like buying ads in Overcast and a couple of um a couple of other like small ones, Castbox, and there's like a couple of networks. And it was like nothing. <laughs> oh, interesting. Because um, Ben yeah. from Tuple's been talking about doing so that. To promote he's been the on podcast. the fence. About a podcast ad or a podcast player ad podcast player ad, like an overcast ad oh right right right. yeah oh yeah for art of product yeah i know mm -hmm. i selfishly want them <laughs> to like do recommend. it just so i can be like <laughs> right yeah so i'm a little bit justified like did you guys because i didn't um but yeah i don't know um along with that on kind of on a similar vein i'm discontinuing everything is marketing for now just because that was one of the things that like this is like one of the things that i look back in my old like updates and i'm like oh like i should have known like of course it's not going to be like a ginormous audience builder it's a podcast it's super hard to grow it's going to be a very limited audience anyways um it's not going to have the the big big numbers especially compared to twitter and my newsletter which are already fairly large um mm. and i spent a lot a lot of time on that and Again, it's difficult because I can't directly measure it. The attribution is hard. I think that some members came from the podcast and definitely a lot of 
members liked the podcast, but I don't know if the podcast itself was like a big ROI positive activity, especially given the time that I plugged into it. So I created about uh, 50, I think 54, 53 episodes, and each one probably sunk in, you know, about three hours in total between like the research, the recording, post-production, notes, publishing, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you start to do the math and it's like, uh, I don't know, 160 hours, right? And it's like, well, that's a lot of hours. That's a lot of time <laughs> on something that I don't know if I can really say it was ROI positive. Also couple that with the fact that my VA was spending most of her time on podcast related things. And yeah, I don't know. I'm just more of like a cost center than anything. So I'm mm-hmm. counting it as one of the things that didn't go well because I would say like it didn't go as well as I wanted it to. And it's okay, but not a huge win. Uh, I think like I can check the box and like creating a fun engaging interview podcast but not a breakout audience building profitable podcast if that makes sense yeah um interesting yeah which is fine it's okay it's just that's and that's the bucket that it goes in um after help a creator experienced some minor burnout in like those summer months june and july uh that was a bummer definitely like a delay in progress um, and I'm trying to think, I think that's probably the main things that like didn't go super, super well. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that's pretty much it. Those are like the, the main things to highlight and small things here and there. I think just a lot of like, you know, I, well, maybe actually I'll save it for my kind of lessons learned. Uh, I can get back to it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, my, my lessons learned are kind of intertwined with things that didn't go well because that's usually where you are learning lessons. Um, True. let's see. True. So yeah, I think one of the big ones for me, uh, so 2021 was the first year I really started hiring for JetBoost and it was tough. Hiring is hard. Uh, it's, Mm-hmm. it's funny because it's it's the solution to a lot of problems uh and it's it's easy to give the advice of like oh well you just need to like hire this type of person or hire that person and <laughs> it's like yeah i know that's like <laughs> i know that's what needs to be done but it's freaking hard to find the right person and to find a good fit and um and to set them up for success i learned a lot about um you know, what I need to do as, as a manager, as, uh, a leader, as, uh, you know, both, both of the company and of the product. Uh, I, I think probably my biggest lesson learned from the year was, uh, hiring developers specifically who are expensive, uh, in order to Hmm. get, a positive ROI from that they need to work on the core product. And I, every developer I hired did not work on the core product, which is like basically building new boosters. Um, and there are multiple reasons for that. Uh, but essentially like it's, 
it's still too much relying upon me. It's still too much in my head. It's not documented enough. There's not enough tests. Uh, it's very hard to plug another developer into that. Uh, it's, it's too brittle right now. And it's, it's something that I'm thinking about for next year and, and how to turn that around. Uh, but yeah, when, when you are spending a, <laughs> when a large percentage of your expenses are, uh, you know, going to work that is, is helping. Like th there are definitely things that developers shipped for JetBoost that were extremely helpful. Um, you know, within the JetBoost app, there are a number of things that, that other people built that, uh, you know, we still use today and that have helped reduce support and, uh, help streamline things and improve the interface and improve the, the design. Um, but it's still hard to say if there was really a positive ROI there um, because the, the the biggest thing that drives revenue forward is is putting out new boosters and, and we didn't do that. Um, so yeah, yeah. That, that was probably the biggest lesson learned there. Mm -hmm. Super hard. <laughs> yeah. Really, really hard. Probably the hardest part of business in general is just, it's the people, right? I mean, that's probably never really going to change. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and again, and, and it wasn't like that we didn't hire good people because like all the work that they produced was like high quality and extremely well done. It was like, I didn't set anyone else up for success to, you know, even be, even be able to like produce new boosters or produce on the core product. Um, and yeah, I think, I think I was in some senses like, I kind of had to go through trial by fire and, and learn, you know, I didn't know what I didn't know. And, and now I do. And, uh, that's kind of why I've taken a step back from hiring and it's like, okay, I need to get things, uh, there need to be more, uh, standard like engineering processes in place. And, uh, you know, I've been talking about automated testing and, and all of that in order to really have that foundation set before I can expect someone else to be able to come in and like, uh, you know, pick up where, I, where I've left off basically. Uh, so yeah. 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 It's a big one. Um, one of my, my big lessons learned is that, uh, I think that I've, I can pretty safely say now that I am not a coach. I love mm. teaching. I love it's a good one. Just like helping people in general, especially like asynchronously but I don't think I'm really like the coaching personality. And uh, I, I think especially in the last like couple of months, I've either like seen of, or like read some stuff or listened to podcasts of some coaches. And they were all like very, very similar in their personality, the way they approach things, their day to day, what gets them excited. And there was, there was like the exact opposite of me. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> like no wonder like this, this makes sense. So earlier in the year I was doing more like mentoring and sort of like coaching for, for startups on marketing. I wound that down. I'm really glad that I did because that really was like a big, uh, I mean, it was financially rewarding and it was really good because it made for a lot of good, like fodder for content and overall it was just a great insight into each one of those companies but wasn't very like personally fulfilling for me. And I just don't think that I am like 
at the end of the day, uh, I wasn't as useful as I could have been to them because I'm not a, like a coach who's going to hold someone accountable and ask all the right questions and be very, very sort of interpersonal in the way they interact. I'm more of like a, here's how you do this. Let me know if you have any questions, <laughs> like mm-hmm. people on their way. And I love that. And just like creating new stuff and having new stuff to share. But the like, well, tell me everything about this one thing. And, uh, well, let me rehash every, and have like the same conversation 10 times because I know that's the way that people want it, even though I've already gone and recorded this thing over here. <laughs> like coaches just love doing that. They want to be on the phone all day long. They want to be, they don't mind sharing the same stuff over and over again. And that's just not me. And uh, so I think I've, I've learned to embrace my teacher versus coach kind of personality type or teaching type. Yeah, I think that's a really important lesson. I think in, in general, to me, it, it sounds like your year was really about narrowing, like narrowing your focus. Because at the beginning of the year, you started with like, you had all these different projects going on and, you know, coaching and help a creator and uh, swipe files, obviously. And like you've, right. you've right. really narrowed that focus down. And in even swipe files, you narrowed it down to this is like, this is SaaS marketing. Um, right. Yeah, I think that's been huge for you this year. Yeah, definitely. I think the other thing I really learned was um, like there, there really is a massive difference between the types of activities that you spend your time on and just really teaching yourself to spend time on high leverage stuff. It's not like, I, mean, I remember like in the beginning part of the year, like answering every single email Mm. being like very, very diligent about, I don't know, it really like I had to unlearn some of the like employee kind of stuff where like I needed to be checking up on every Slack message and every email immediately and this and that and making sure like the optics kind of look good. But then at the end of the day, I wasn't actually that productive. I didn't really do something that made a meaningful difference. And, um, and then like learning, all right, like content is really, really, high leverage relationships are really high leverage. Um, just like certain projects, either like doing it all at once instead of taking one bite at a time or just like saving something for later or doing it right now and not doing anything else for a while is better than trying to like have this massive juggling act of all these things all at once. And, uh, at the end of the day, like the revenue is a direct reflection of the things that you worked on and how valuable were those things that you put out there. And, um, there really is no, <laughs> there's no more correlation between what you're spending time on and how much money you make. That's really like, uh, what you spend that time on, not how much time you spent. And, um, it's, it's very much that quality versus quantity, you know, these like small portion of, you know, 10, 20% of, your activity through the year ends up accounting for most of the progress and growth that you have. And, uh, instead of just like ignoring that or trying to change it, just really embracing it. Yeah. It's actually something that I struggled a lot with even this year. And, and again, it's one of those things that now feels like me five years ago. Um, but is, is just, yeah, yeah. Becoming okay with, or getting out of the mindset of like your time is tied to revenue or how much you earn. Um, again, especially like with consulting background, 
uh, it's, it's very easy to think that way. And yeah, it took me, it, it really was up until maybe like halfway through this year that I, I finally started getting out of that mindset. And like you said, trying to just focus on maximizing, yeah. you know, leveraging your time to, to maximize revenue in that way. Mm-hmm. I think I'm really at a point now where, uh, you know, cause it, like I've seen this too with some other people, like, especially now in the creator mastermind that I'm in and just like really observing some people that I admire outside of that circle, but who are like top of their sort of like game respectively for whatever it is that they're working on. And it really is always the same. Like they're completely ruthless with their time. They only focus on like the most high leverage stuff and, um, and like their day to day is very simple. <laughs> they don't, they're not doing a whole bunch of different things. Like, you know, they sell like one to three things. They have like one to three like main channels and then they spend all their time on those things in particular. And they're all messy. They're all horrible at responding to emails. They all say no to a whole bunch of things that you're like, why would you really say no to that? But uh, I, I remember hearing about Lenny Rachisky. And so I wanted him to have on the podcast and he was like, Hey, I'm sorry. Like, I'm just, I don't have time to do podcasts. And I just, I can only do a couple a year. A couple other people told me, Hey, I, I can't do anything until, you know, May or June or July. And it was like, you know, December. And I was like, what the heck? But <laughs> now I'm like, okay, I get it. I see, mm. you know, because you think that a 30 minute or 60 minute conversation you know, once a week or twice a week isn't gonna make a big difference, but it does. It really, really adds up over time. So I'm, I'm learning to say no a lot more often. Mm-hmm. As much as it kind of like pains me a little bit, it just, you have to. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I've seen that both with, uh, you know, being, like you said, being invited on podcasts or, um, you know, to write like a guest blog post or like there, there are certain things that like sound, uh, I don't know, prestigious or, uh, like, yeah, I should do that. I should get out there more. But it, <laughs> once you do enough yeah. of them where it's like, okay, that there was like, there wasn't really an ROI on that, um, compared to how much time I spent. Uh, yeah, you, I found I've, I've started saying no more and even just to, uh, you know, customer, demands or <laughs> most of the time uh, not even customer demands people who are just uh trying out the product and you know they want something that's like totally outside of what it does and it's just like yeah i would used to try to say yes and and do everything i could for them and now it's just like it, it it's not the right product for you sorry mm-hmm. yep sorry yeah. it's not for you yeah it's the, the old seth Godin, and i love that <laughs> more people should you know, yeah. like revisit that, but more people should know it, but it's just, there's a lot of power and sorry, it's not for you because then you don't waste your time trying to tweak something that's never going to really work. But yeah, it's such a weird thing. It's just like uh, every day that goes on, like, it's weird. Like, so, uh, maybe it was like Monday or Sunday. Um, one of the podcast interviews that I did, the, uh, the podcast host, uh, Connor. So they do like the next gen podcast i think it's called next generation podcast it's about like successful 20 somethings you know stuff like that it's a really good podcast they do a good job of it and so we did this like roundup of like i don't know like the 20 people you should follow 
and like their episodes or something like that. And I got like 500 new followers from that one thread, even though like I didn't really do mm. anything. But like that one podcast, and there's been like a couple others like that, where I think like most of the success I've had going on podcasts has been from like three. And I think I probably did like <laughs> 25 last year. Wow. And then it's the same thing with, uh, you know, with Swy Files and like the content I create. And it's the same thing with like the products and what people really want. It's like, it really is such a, like a small kind of atomic unit. And then we always like add all these things on top of it, or we just do way more or less quality ones. And you just don't have to, <laughs> you know, like you just skip straight to the good stuff, straight to the quality things. So that's what I want more of next year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think you develop more of a sense uh, or a filter as to like what has potential and what doesn't. Because uh, I, I do think like you have to go through that phase of, yeah, like going on 25 podcasts and seeing that, okay, these three worked. Yeah. Like, what did those three have in, in common? What, you know, um, kind of like writing blog posts and, uh, you know, whatever tiny percentage of them ends up with most of the, like 90% of the traffic. So, uh, could mm -hmm. you have just written the, the two or three posts without writing all the other ones? I don't know. It's hard to say, but I think over time you develop more of a sense as to what's going to work and what's not. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You, you develop that sort of taste and you get the spidey sense of what's going to actually be like a fruitful, Mm -hmm. opportunity in front of you and what it looks like, what it feels like. Um, how can you measure it? So yeah, it's, it's, it's an acquired skill over time. Yeah. Definitely haven't mastered it yet either. <laughs> yeah. Sure I'll do I, many I more wasteful not. things next year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. What else is on your list? Uh, let's see. I've got, uh, yeah, re related to, um, hiring is just, again, one of the things I struggled with juggling, uh, like IC work, uh, in individual contributor work with managing other people and, and being responsive and, uh, you know, prioritizing hmm. or reviewing their work. And, um, it's hard because when you're, when you're in the, I see mode. It's like, you just want to be heads down and, uh, not inter interrupted and, uh, you know, just, just crank away and, and ship stuff. And, um, this was my first experience really like trying to balance that. And I think I got better as the year went on, but definitely in the beginning, uh, was still too much in like, I want to be heads down. I don't want to be interrupted. Like I'll, I'll get to all the other stuff when I get to it. And, yeah. right. uh, again, I think that was detrimental for other team members. And, uh, that would, that was definitely something I had to learn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I will say, yeah. Right, go ahead. No, I didn't have anything to add. Uh, I, I will say on, on the flip side, uh, one of the other big lessons learned for me is that like, working with other people on your business is awesome. <laughs> uh, you know, I, th I think I mentioned a little bit earlier, but like having other people thinking about it, 
coming up with solutions, coming up with ideas. Uh, it's, you know, e even when, when I, um, when the team was a little bit larger, we had, and, and like other people were shipping stuff. It was just like, wow, this is like so cool. Like things are in motion and it's, it's yeah. not all relying on me. Um, and that, that was pretty sweet. And yeah, I think one of the questions for myself that I had going into JetBoost was, uh, or, or at least like once it started working, what was like, do I want this to kind of be the, like, you know, solo indie hacker product, uh, where I just kind of hmm. do my own thing. And, um, you know, I, I definitely learned this past year that I would rather work with other people on it. Um, and just in general, enjoy working with other people more than, uh, you know, just, just doing all, totally my own thing. And, and even though you give up some control, uh, control of your time, control of, you know, how people think about it and, and what direction they think things should go in. Like it's, it's totally worth the trade off. So at least in my experience. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Right. I, I think in general, the solo indie hacker kind of dream is, uh, I don't know. It's the exceptions to the rule. It's mainly like a myth <laughs> of like how yeah. interesting and creatively fulfilling it actually is. I think it's, it's one of those things that's so like Instagram, you know, like you can paint this like really picture perfect view of what it's like from your Twitter feed or from your blog or whatever it is from your podcasts. But then like day to day, if you don't really enjoy it, then like, what's the point, you know? And I think that most people would probably get more enjoyment from working with others, even if it's a really small team than doing it like completely, completely alone. Um, mm -hmm. And some people like that, but I mean, even, I don't know, like e even Peter levels has two or three, like really part-time developers, right? It's like, mm. I I'm more and more skeptical of just like the completely solo. You want to have at least some help, even if it's really, yeah. really small. Yeah. That's funny. Cause I, I feel like he's like, uh, created the sort of idealized version of the, solo indie hack. I didn't, I didn't even know he worked with other people. Um, yeah. but it also makes me think yeah. of, I was saying, uh, uh, sorry, I was going to say, say also makes me card. no, I was going to say, uh, Paul Jarvis and company of one, uh, Oh yeah. <laughs> which is like, it's, it's not even a, company of one. a lot of flack for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I know company, a small, yeah, small company, not company of of one, but um, yeah, even AJ from Card, he like yeah. took on like a, a co-founder later, and then now they have like a full-time employee, and uh, just I'm yeah, I'm really skeptical. Right, so I think they definitely on the right track there. Yeah, yeah, e even now with me, right? I'm like, I had the VA, and like I think I'd have more fun if I was working with someone else, mm. um, even if it was just on swipe files. Mm -hmm. obviously I'm reaping more of the rewards personally. It just being me and from the outside, I can, I could, if I really wanted to like pimp this out, I could, you know, frame it in such a way that it'd be like, Oh, you know, guy makes XML living in San Diego, living the dream all by himself. But like, that's not, that's not really the reality. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, I don't know. I'm just some guy in my apartment 
you know, <laughs> nerding out about software marketing and some people pay for it. Small amount of people, in fact, compared to the larger audience that I have. And yeah, I just, I don't like that, that view of it. You're not going to start filming uh, YouTube videos with you and stacks of cash. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Not, not even close. No, no. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good, a good lesson learned. I've, I've got, um, one written down here that I haven't really unpacked yet, but I just wrote revenue goals are meh. Hmm. <laughs> like how you feel about them or just like, yeah, objectively they, they're meh. I think how I feel about them. Uh, hmm. so yeah, like I said, I haven't totally unpacked this, but, uh, for context, so end of last year, uh, let's see, end of December of 2020, one year ago, um, is when JetBoost hit like basically sort of the initial revenue goal that I was like, if it one day hit this, that would be just like a completely insane, amazing thing. Um, and it did. And, and it was like, okay, so what's next? <laughs> um, and it actually yeah. like, it took me a little while to figure that out. Um, because I, I was driving so hard to, to get to that. And then I did. And then it was like, okay, well, yeah, now what? Um, and so I set a revenue goal for the end of this year. Uh, we're not going to quite hit it, but we're like probably a couple of weeks away. Um, and again, I kind of feel like, okay, so what, like we hit this revenue goal. Like, what does that mean? Like, why was this the goal? Um, right. Yeah. So I don't know. And I again, agree. it's sort of I mean, I, like, I think they're, no, go ahead. I mean, I think that they're completely arbitrary they're just made up we, we just yeah we make it up you know i like honestly so i was thinking about this uh because um wait who was it was it oh it was a16z they had their like oh dang it what do they call it they, you know created some sort of fancy word for like their like rolling fund essentially where they're not working on like these like fund one fund two fund three anymore where they go out and raise a bunch of money deploy realize the gains five to 10 years later, distribute shares and then like call it a day on their profits. Now they're more going to like this ongoing kind of thing. And so anyways, I was, I was reading this Substack about a guy kind of analyzing th this decision and what it means for VC. And he kind of just like left these like open-ended questions, like subtly throughout. But I mean, really like a lot of, startups have been uh, and startup goals and funding structures have all been around this traditional VC model where the VC deploys capital and then you want to see return within five to 10 years, the, the length of the fund. And so the startup has to grow and hit certain milestones in order to reach an exitable stage that would be profitable for the fund by the time that the fund ends, whatever that they determined, if it's five or 10 years or somewhere in between, right? 
And so then you just you let just like completely take that away. You're like, there is no fund length and there is no like date. Mm. And then like, what do you do? <laughs> right? <And> like, <laughs> wh- where do you like get the goals? Right. And it, it becomes, uh, you know, now it's kind of like welcome to being bootstrapped a little bit. Right. But, <laughs> but you, you pick up these things along the way of like, well, we need to be at X revenue by X date and for going well, but, and it's like, I don't know, until you hit some sort of number where you just have like more cash than you even know what to do with, then, then really like, what is the point? You, you make it up. Like it's completely fabricated. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird because like you want some sort of North Star metric to align yourself to. But it, it, yeah, cause, so I'm thinking through like, okay, what are goals for, for next year for 2022? And like setting a revenue goal, I mean, maybe I should still do it, but it doesn't feel like, it's not like day to day I was thinking like, okay, what do we need to do in order to hit the end of the year revenue goal? Like it was just sort of a thing that existed mm-hmm. that like <laughs> we kept track of, <laughs> but. All right, right. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a wish. It's a um yeah. It's a nice to have, right? It's it's separate from the day-to-day work. Right. Yeah, I don't know. It, again, like like planning and uh just roadmapping, figuring out what to work on, like you said earlier, figuring out how to leverage your time in uh, the most, uh, you know, in, in in an optimized way, or or what are the right things to be doing. Uh, that's got to be one of the hardest things, like for for any company, uh, for for huge corporations, for tiny bootstrap startups. Uh, you know, that's why there's there's all these different quote unquote frameworks or methodologies as far as planning work and, uh, you know, planning goals and, and all of this stuff is like, <laughs> nobody's like, it doesn't seem like anyone's really figured out like how to actually do it. Uh, we, we're, we're just all sort of mm-hmm. stumbling and trying. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we're all just making it up as we go uh, now. Yeah. What's well, interesting because maybe we'll talk about this next time, but I feel like for the first time I do have some like hard and fast goals where I am thinking about mm. how does this change what I do day to day or or does this does this align with what I'm currently doing? And for the most part, yes. Like it's more just kind of like a forecast of like here's where I think things are going and I just I want to keep up that pace and like keep on that same trajectory. Uh but really like nothing in my life changes all that much because of it um yeah unless there's more cash than i even know what to do with but that also kind of makes a revenue goal pointless because then it just feels like infinity right where it's you're just like printing money at that point Mm -hmm. and i don't know what you do like why would you want more like your goals must change a little bit and so at either point it just um I don't know. Maybe just like a goal isn't the right word for it. Right? It's like, it needs to be like a different paradigm to think about. But yeah, how to think about it, really. 
I don't know. It's getting very existential, but um, <laughs> it, it doesn't feel like the the right thing. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like the right word, the yeah. right construct for what we're trying to to get at. Yeah, it's it's more of like a. I don't know if this is the right word either, but it's more of like a scorecard where if you do the right things, then that'll show up on the scorecard. You know, if you are, it's like if you're training for uh, some sort of competition or event and you are, uh, you know, doing your waking up early and, and training and eating the right foods and getting enough sleep and like doing all of those things. Then when you go to the actual competition, like the results will show up for themselves. Um, I guess that's like, that's how I feel about it is like, I need to figure out more of like what those inputs are, uh, and focus on those as the goals. And then, you know, by the end of next year, then if we do those things, like it, it should show up revenue wise. So, Mm -hmm. and it sounds like you've maybe figured that out a little bit more. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> I, I believe it. Like, I think, yeah. I think that's the right approach. I think it's maybe James Clear who says, um, you don't rise to the level or I don't know. Mm, I'm gonna have to look it up, but he basically says like systems over goals. Um, mm-hmm. and that it's really like the system that determines the outcome, not like the goal of achieving that outcome. Um, mm-hmm. Let me see if I can pull it up here. Uh, but anyways, that's kind of like the, the gist of it, right? It's just, what are those daily inputs? I feel like for for me, for swipe files, they're, they're fairly straightforward. Um, and a lot of it is really like marketing related where it's like create a really high value thread once a week or something like mm. that once every other week even um keep writing more newsletter content keep creating new content in the swipe house community or like right now create a new course um and then the rest will kind of take care of itself but i guess as, as long as there's some sort of cadence of these are the things that i'm putting out there that will have all the downstream effects of the outcome that i want then i just need to focus on getting those things out the door mm-hmm. uh, at a really high, you know, a high level or high standard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Oh, here it is. He said, loading, loading, loading. He said, you do not rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. Okay. I thought that's what it was, but it sounded funny when I was coming out of my mouth. <laughs> but man, that's a good one. Yeah, do not rise really to the good. level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. So it's like, what's like the baseline of your system? Well, if you want to, you'll always like fall or sort of like revert to the mean or whatever it is the output of your system is. So if you want to raise the baseline, then like change the system to support the outcome of that baseline and then that what you fall to will be higher than it was before right but it doesn't start with the goal it starts with the system Mm-hmm. yeah because like you said a goal is more like a wish 
Yeah. 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 It it really is weird to think about, I guess. Yeah. And and maybe even like a goal is more of a, um, it's just such a symbiotic relationship. But if you, you know, if you really want to get scientific about it, the goal is more like a measurement of your system Mm -hmm. and your system is trying to achieve, you know, improvement of the goal. Right. But like you need the two, they kind of like work in tandem. But I think that what we forget is that we've, we set the goal, but then we don't set the system to support that goal. And so then we're like, what are we measuring? And it's like, it's no wonder Mm -hmm. that we're sort of just like, cool. I missed it. Or, well, I hit it because like, I don't know right. what I did or didn't do to achieve that thing. I just, I'm doing my thing. My, my system hasn't changed. Um, whereas it should be more measuring like, are these things changing or like contributing to the achievement of that goal? Is this Twitter thread, you know, do, is doing a weekly thread, uh, improving my chances of hitting that goal is writing more newsletter content is like, are these things related to influencing that goal or not? Hmm. Yeah. That, yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how I feel about like kind, kind of the whole last year was just like, like you said, the system didn't change. I mean, I mean it did, but it didn't change a lot. And so we we're just kind of riding along and, like you said, at the end of the year, did we hit the goal? Did we not hit the goal? That's that's sort of how it ended up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. That should be a big, uh, yeah. So I'm kind of marinating on that more. I haven't really fleshed out entirely what that will look like or how to take action on that for the next year. But mm-hmm. um, I'm definitely thinking about that. Like. Cause I would agree. I mean, again, looking back at my year, it was like, well, the system was like a mess and it was all over the place and it changed a few times. But now I think I have more of a winning combination. So I just mm. need to keep that system going and like make some fine tunings and tweaks and improvements here and there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm definitely, I, th- I think we should dive into this more. Um, Definitely want to hear more of your thoughts on this. Cool. Cool. Yeah, let's do it. Um, any other thoughts on the last year before we wrap up and, and, and call it a year? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think I kind of hit everything on my list. What about you? I think the only other thing that comes to mind, is just, um, having this podcast and our investor advisor updates to look back on is always really valuable. And, uh, I'm glad to have done it for the last year (laughs) and um, to have that, that record of history and learnings and insights and, and those feedback loops, just putting that out, that out there to other people, but also for each of us to, to look back on, it's been really valuable. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. And, uh, I'm super glad we started this podcast. I, I'm, I think I, I'd say this many times, but I'm always shocked when people tell me they listen, they get value out of it. Um, but I think that's <laughs> awesome. So yeah, I appreciate all of you for, for tuning in and listening to us ramble sometimes for a long time. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely been really valuable for me. Yeah. 
Yeah, tuning in for probably too long. We probably have like the longer or the longest bootstrapped uh, podcasts, <laughs> right? Like on average, that's <laughs> probably the most amount of time. So if you're listening, thank you. Appreciate you spending time with us. Uh, if you can, maybe to cap off the year, leave us a, a rating and review. Whatever podcast player you use, preferably Apple or Spotify, since Spotify has been... I just actually saw uh, Jay Klaus um, in my creator mastermind, and he has uh, the Creative Elements show. Um, he was like one of the first ones to get the new like ratings in Spotify, so you can leave like a five-star rating. So anyways, if you, if you can do that for us, that'd be awesome. Otherwise, uh, if you have any questions, comments for us going to the new year, you can leave them in the zip message link below. It just says, ask us a question, and uh, you can create a video, audio, text, doesn't matter. We'll see it. And we'll see you in 2022.